0: This is Epics Medicine, I'm Andrew Whitfield-Cook. Welcome everybody to the last session of the third day of the Biocyticals 6th research symposium and I'm here with Professor Terry Walls. She's very humble. She only says Dr. Terry Walls. She's Professor Terry Walls. Oh, that's true. <laughs> now, we've learned a heck of a lot. I'm going to go a little bit backwards and start at the beginning with the personalized lifestyle program. You prioritize sleep and relaxation, mm-hmm. but importantly include resilience. And this is something that really interests me. Yes. Um, Could you take us through why you chose to prioritize the things that that way? And does teaching resilience improve both compliance, empowerment, and the sick patient syndrome as well?
1: Uh, I think resilience is critical. Uh, People have to uh, uh, have a purpose for taking on these new health behaviors. So I'm asking them to give up the foods they love, give up uh, many aspects of their behaviors, and to sustain that they need to have this connected to their inner purpose, their mission in life. Uh, I, I find it very useful to walk people through the pleasant life, good life, meaningful life, uh, so they are more inspired to be willing to do the work. Because this is a lot of work.
0: Um mm, a lot of work.
1: Um, you know, getting people to give up uh, tobacco addiction, alcohol addiction, marijuana, uh, all these drugs of abuse, we understand that that's very difficult. What we often forget is the health behaviours we're asking them to adapt is just as hard as the changes we're asking are um, people who have substance abuse uh, problems. So I, I think it's critical.
0: Do you find then that they tend to swap one addiction for another? Very like, for commonly. Instance, uh, very, this, very commonly, yeah. people
1: with substance abuse will swap things out for sugar yep. or a religious extremism yep. point of view. Uh, so that is a very, very common. If you can get them to tune in to uh, life's purpose meanings, uh, then you are less likely to swap out harmful addictions.
0: Uh, can you comment on trials with vitamin D in MS with regards to dose timing uh, progression? Well,
1: you know actually, I, I went through that this morning, yep. in my, so I'm going to refer people back to that. Uh, most of the studies, uh, early studies used very low dose, 400, 800 uh, international units did not monitor levels. Um, and now as I look at more recent studies where we are monitoring levels or high doses, and they're looking at cytokine effects, but we don't have long-term clinical outcomes data. Um, I think the full question's not really answered yet. Uh, for all of us in practice, what I'd do is monitor levels, use vitamin K2, uh, and know that there's gonna be a lot of variability in dosing. Uh, another part of that equation has to do with the vitamin D receptors right. and the SNPs there. Um, so uh, there may be a reason to think about monitoring your vitamin D re- uh, uh, re- receptor SNPs.
0: There was a was it a group in Brazil that was using ultra high dose yes, vitamin yeah. D? Is that uh,
1: very high, 20,000 units. He's had uh, great success. But you know, I, I look in his papers, we don't see him uh, reporting out vitamin D levels. We're talking much about vitamin K2. Uh, if you do very high dose vitamin D and you make people vitamin D toxic, that becomes a problem when you, when you use high dose vitamin D or even when we drive up vitamin D levels and increase calcium absorption. We're going to make for kidney stones, ectopic calcifications. Um, so you can use whatever vitamin D level you want, but monitor the level uh, and treat to the level as opposed to the dose. ApoE.
0: ApoE. Genetic testing. Yes,
1: uh, APOE. So I don't get this. So APOE, uh, uh, we had the original mutation about 200,000 years ago, uh, and that's when we developed our big brain. So APOE4 is probably critical uh, for a lot of favorable things in our brain. Uh, Then we had the APOE3. No, actually, APOE4 was six million years ago. APOE3, 200,000 years ago. Uh, APOE-2 about 20,000 years ago. This is a fat transporter. Um, now, wh- the question is, if you have a- APOE-4, we have a marked increased risk for annuity generation, Alzheimer's, APOE-3 is average risk, APOE-2 protective. I have a, a big following in the APOE-4 community who tell me that by following my protocol, they've had improved cognitive performance. They, but they, they really didn't want to use the uh, coconut oil. They're yeah. very afraid of saturated fat. So what they've done, and, and they've taught me, this has worked out very well for them, is they eat once a day or every other day, use lots of olive oil. They still get into ketosis. Uh, and they're um, having uh, decreased in inflammatory uh, profiles, great cognitive performance. I've met some APOE4 uh, homozygous folks in their 90s, who are still living independently, driving independently, and winning at uh, crossword puzzle championships. Right. So clearly doing well.
0: Yeah. Different types of exercise, different range of motions, dancing versus the linear type of exercise that so you see. Do you find different effects with different styles of movement rather than
1: you know, this rigid sort of You compound? know what I think is most exercise? important is that people enjoy it, Yeah. and they want to do it, and they yeah. keep doing it every day. Um, it, and so I, I think it needs to be something you enjoy, uh, contralateral movement is really helpful. Uh, movement that is not planned, where have to respond to the environment mm. uh, is helpful. Yeah. Uh, strength training is helpful, balance training is helpful, uh, fast twitch. So if, you, if you're strong enough to do um, some explosive movements, jump sleeps, that's very helpful. It depends on where you are coming from. Uh, if I think back to where I was coming from, just you know, reaching up and touching my knees and doing very basic exercises for 10 minutes. Mm. If I did 12 minutes, I was exhausted. I couldn't possibly function for the rest of the day. So you really have to personalize this to where your patient is at. Uh, you, if you overtrain them, they lose ground. So this really needs to be personalized.
0: Yeah. Question from Sally uh, Can you comment o- about the two faces of acromantia mucinophilia? Some, you know, it, is it a pathobiont in that, you, you know, in, okay. in one so instance it could be good, another instance it can be a... I,
1: if we look at our hunter-gatherer uh, microbiome data, they have a lot of uh, microbes that we consider to be quite pathogenic. That if they showed up in your microbiome, you'd be really ill and, and I'd be treating you. It is the community. It is not the individual. So I really take a great exception to all these papers I see talking about individual microbes. It is the community. It's how I am getting all the metabolic work done. And so I may have solved that with one species, because I I, you know, I live in North America. You're going to solve it with different species if you live in Japan or China or Africa or Australia. It is the community. It's not the microbe. And it's whether or not the metabolic processes uh, are being accomplished. So really the best studies are looking at the species and the metabolome, because it's the uh, metabolome yeah. that is really influencing my health, not the species, not the census takers. That's old research that's going to be left in the dust.
0: So this is why, you know, like a probiotic um, supplement might be good for a remedy sort of thing, but it's really the diet that we have to work
1: It on. is the diet, it is yeah. the fiber, it is the diversity. Yeah. Uh, and having the metabolic the metabolome, it's not the census it's the metabolome that's gonna determine our health.
0: So with regards to that, looking at choline, there was some concern about TMAO, the tri methyl oxide um, yes, that's yes, converted yes. in the liver. And so, again, so,
1: Yeah, so yes, we do have to worry about that. Um, but the real question is, what is the metabolome, uh, and what, um, I really have a hard time thinking that meat is a problem because we've been eating it for Ooh. about six million years. <laughs> so the problem is probably the microbes that we have shifted in the last 300 years with all that sugar and white flour. Yeah. So again, I, I worry much less about the species and far more about the metabolome. This is a, it's very different, the census of who's there versus how we're getting the meta- metabolic work done. This, this and that's where the uh, microbiology research is happening right now is the metabolome.
0: Yeah. This seems very akin to um, Martin Blaser's work about missing microbes. He said, we're blaming all of these other things. It's the microbes that we've killed and decimated, and we, we need to get them back. Is that right? right.
1: Well, well we, we need the metabolic function back. But we have to remember this, in order to fulfill those metabolic steps, there are many different species that can do that across many different uh, phyla. Mm. And so having the perfect mix that fills in those 5 million genes that I need will be solved in a wide variety of ways, which is why you and I have a unique fingerprint for our microbiome. I, I, I really think the the species kind it was very helpful for our initial understanding, but the metabolome is how we actually get that biochemistry to happen. That's a more complex question that we're finally beginning to look at.
0: Question from Dan before we throw to the audience, and that is, um, uh I think what he was asking was what about long-term expectations um, with he was asking, particularly with your MS, have you had long-term success enough to stay off all meds?
1: So in, uh, so my journey, seven years of disease modifying therapy, started my and I started tinkering with my healthcare care in 2002 uh, and refined it in 2007, had these dramatic results. Uh, within six months, I was back with my neurologist's office saying, I, I want to go off disease-modifying therapy. He said, well, okay, let's do that. Over the next two weeks, we uh, tapered things off. So I've been off disease-modifying therapy since 2008. If I accidentally got fed gluten, I would have a horrific flare of my face pain that would be incapacitating. and I would require high-dose steroids to uh, get past that. Yeah. Uh, but I've been on no disease-modifying therapies uh, for that duration.
0: Quite amazing. And one last question from me, which you and I spoke about during our podcast. And that is just, I I am in total reverence of your reverence to your partner. Um, And we spoke briefly about just how important it was to have a supportive partner through your process and through, other, through your patient's process. So how do you engender that? How do you encourage that when you get all sorts of obviously relationship dynamics happening, fear, loathing in Las Vegas and everything. So how do you actually bring the partner along for the ride to encourage the, them to be supportive of the patient you with know, the I, the, the I inter-
1: think talk therapy sometimes is uh, really critical. Uh, and I, I'm open to acknowledging that having a supportive partner who helps you with your health behavior choices, and if your partner is promoting health-destroying choices, uh, that that's not going to work <laughs> out, uh, and I encourage them to have family therapy. And sometimes they work it out, and sometimes the individuals realize this is not a partnership that's working, uh, and the relationship dissolves. But uh, that's the fundamental, uh, like is is your partner helping you nourish health-promoting choices or encouraging health-destroying choices, in which case family therapy is needed and some sort of resolution is in everyone's best interest.
0: Can I just give you my personal thank you for the lessons taught to me about, not just resilience, but choosing choosing what you're going how you're going to react and what what's your responsibility to bring something to the world so thank you from me as well you know, i would imagine most people here
1: you know uh, this this is a, a a big insight i've learned now over the last several years is you know I, I can't control what happens to me i can't control what my kids do what my partner does what my crazy president does what you know all the world around you're me your crazy but, but he's the yours? one thing yes the one thing i can control is my attitude, yeah. my choice, my perspective, my self-talk. Uh, and that is an, that is the most powerful choice that I have of all.
0: Well done. Well said. And with that, I will throw to the audience for any questions that people might have. One over here. I want to ask a question about a condition which is not as widely discussed in this forum. And uh, a lot of cardiologists believe uh, atrial fibrillation is uh, a symptom, not a disease, and it is autoimmune related. Uh, if I may ask, um, in your uh, clinic, would you have data about how well or how, how much needle has been moved in terms of uh, people with atrial fibrillation who come to your clinic?
1: Okay, so we'll talk about heart disease in general. Uh, I've had folks come with me uh, with a fairly advanced heart failure, and we've had improved cardiac function, improved quality of life using you know basically my level 1, level 2 of my diet. Uh, We've had uh, people with atherosclerosis, uh, angina uh, experience improvement in lipid profiles, uh, improved exercise tolerance. Atrial fibrillation, I've not had enough experience to have uh, a strong opinion. I I do have one patient who was on a low saturated fat diet, uh, very, very low fat diet uh, for breast cancer and had done very well. Uh, came to see me, and we began to put her on a level one diet, uh, and she had an increase in her atrial fibrillation. Uh, And so I had her go back uh, on a vegetarian vegan diet, asked her to uh, do a reduced lectin version uh, by soaking her uh, grain-free legumes, uh, uh, pardon me, her gluten-free grains and legumes, and is doing well with that. Uh, I would all, I would make the observation that uh, I would uh, be sure want to be sure that that AFib that you've checked the vitamin D and have optimized vitamin D and vitamin K2.
2: Yes, my um, daughter or daughter-in-law, she has um, MS and she's about 45. She refuses to consistently cut out anything that has anything to do with diet. Um, She's on the highest amount of painkillers, and she then believes that her neurologist knows whatever is best mm-hmm. for her, and now she's on the highest degree, so that's it. She, she, she gets episodes uh, and regressions. What could you do? I mean, obviously, I have said whatever I say, but she, f- she finds me a bit opinionated. Yeah. And um, <laughs> that is probably true. However, it doesn't help to, for her to...
1: You have to let it go.
2: Yeah, but it's what can life. she do? Okay. I, that
1: she, w- she will make her choices. You can be an example, Uh, you let her know that she can come to you for questions. Um, You have to let it go and just maintain the family relationship. Incredibly difficult. I have my own variations of that with my family. with Health challenges Uh, and it requires a lot of prayer and meditation on my part to be willing to let go. Because I care deeply about some of these people who are making choices that I know could be better managed in a variety of other integrative ways, and they're not ready to hear that.
2: I think there, are, there is a German therapy that's coming out and that's expensive there, or whatever. There are
1: many options for this woman, but she's the one who has to make the choice.
2: I think that so they're waiting for those kind of therapies to come along, but will they ever work if you don't do the rest?
1: She will have to make the choice. And, and you can be a resource, but I think you may have to do some prayer and meditation. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's very difficult. It is very difficult. I have a similar prayer and meditation struggle myself with people that I care very deeply about that could be having far better management of their very serious health challenges, but they are pre-contemplative.
0: That's a hard one to let go on the last question. Oh my That's God, pretty it deep. it is very
1: hard. I'm praying about that daily.
0: But with that, I would like to deeply thank you so much for joining us at the sixth symposium. Thank you very much thank for joining us. You can find all the videos from the FX Medicine Live stage at the 6th Bioceuticals Research Symposium in Melbourne by going to the FX Medicine website and clicking on Industry Insights under the Community tab.